0: Welcome to Doctorate, the podcast of PhD candidates in the humanities and the social sciences at the University of Vienna.
1: This is the place for communication and discussion about issues surrounding us in the world of science. We address the what's, why's, and how's of our work and invite researchers from different disciplines to explore topics and ideas they and we deeply care about.
0: If you're anything like me, you may have thought that among the many things a researcher must do, writing is surely the easiest one. If you already did all the research, reading through books, going to the field or crunching all the numbers, all that is left is putting your brilliant thoughts down on paper or more likely uh, in a word processing application. But if you're anything like me, you have surely noticed that's as far from the truth as you can get. Writing can often be the hardest part watching a blank page with a cursor blinking in and out, reminding you that the time is passing, deadlines are approaching, and you're not writing anything. It can be a soul-crushing experience. If this sounds familiar, don't be afraid. We're here to help you. In today's episode of Doctorate, we're talking to doctoral candidates Timo Ava and Sophie Menehold about the topic of writing. So uh, welcome so much to uh, the podcast, both both to our uh, listeners and, and to our guests. And uh, we're going to start this podcast episode off with a sort of rapid fire q and I ask some questions, you both answers. I, I suggest Sophie, you go first and then Timo, you just answer the same question right after. Are, are you guys ready? The yes. first one is going to be very, very easy. This is just to warm up. First one, name. Sophie. Timo. What did you want to become as a child? A vet. A vet. I've forgotten. Three. Color of your laptop sleeve.
1: Blue, but I never use it.
2: Black.
0: All right. Favorite breakfast. Porridge. Scrambled eggs. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Biggest childhood fair.
1: Balloons, air balloons. Air
0: balloons. Yeah, like the ones you sit in. Uh,
1: no, 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 just normal balloons. All
0: right. Freak me out. (laughs) Darkness. Darkness. That's a good one. Where are you when you're not at home and you're not at work?
1: In the climbing hall.
2: In a park when the weather is good or in a cafe when, when the is bad.
0: All right. So you're going to a cafe today, I guess. Tea or coffee?
2: Uh, coffee and tea.
0: Can't have both. One of them. Mm, tea. Timo. Coffee in the mornings. All right. Where are you going to spend the summer?
1: Oh, behind my laptop.
0: In Vienna, in Estonia, and partially in the UK. Sea or mountain? Sea. Mountain. Taking notes per hand or computer? Computer. Computer, yeah. Most text you've ever written in a day, and when?
1: Wow, I never keep count.
0: Probably a couple of pages. What do you prefer, writing or editing? Editing. Me too, editing. Who or what do you intend to dedicate your thesis to?
2: Myself, actually. That's great. I would say the same.
0: It's very empowering, I like it. Best place to write? (sighs) On my desk. In the library. What is your thesis about? Keep it short
1: voter competence in data-driven political advertising
2: non-territorial autonomy uh, in estonia
0: all right thank you so much for uh completing our little uh, rapid fire Q&A. I hope this is gonna give our guests a very good sort of insight into what kind of people you are uh, but we're going to dig deeper into some of this uh, most in particular the uh, topic of uh writing so when you start your phd you come into a department, a faculty, a university—basically, a whole institution—that has uh, support networks. It has um, a culture for writing. Uh, it is usually a bit different from what we are used to. Uh, all of us came from different places when we came to the University of Vienna and uh, our respective departments. How how did you how did you find how did you find it coming into the uh, institution uh, you're in?
2: It was a bit taunting, uh, because first, I, when I started my uh, PhD project, I was uh, working at the Austrian Academy of Sciences of the, at the Historical Research Institute. And this was mostly uh, senior scholars. And as a y- very young starting uh, scholar, it was a bit uh, of a challenge. But at the same time, I've uh, been working in a smaller research team. And this has been a very supportive environment where we basically meet Every week, we discuss our papers, and this has greatly helped me in my research.
0: How how is how is the sort of writing culture within your uh, projects? Because I understand that you're working with other people. Um, And personally, for me, when I started my project, I have a project alone, and the first period always goes to sort of orienting yourself, right? And then the question is like, when do you start writing?
1: Actually, mm, it's quite a process for me. So I start writing immediately actually uh, just brainstorming mm. on a on a page um while developing my focus so i always write down first drafts and edit it again because i really like editing and writing is daunting mm. so i don't know so Gives you sort of get
0: it out of the way
1: exactly yeah so right now for just for my third paper actually um i try to immediately have a sort of a structure and fill in I don't know, the introduction, the theory, the methods, a mm. uh, little paragraph just so I have something.
0: So did you did you start sort of writing a, a paper uh, from basically your first day uh, in a way?
1: Um, you mean first day after PhD? Yeah. Mm-mm. Yeah, pretty much. Because I was, because I am part of a project, they were immediately like, OK, you need to uh, create some items for our survey, for a panel survey. And so within the first six weeks, I was in the literature, writing down stuff that I want to research and then test in a survey.
0: Oh, that's interesting. How about you, Timo? For
2: me, it was roughly a bit less than two years after I started uh, doing research. I started really uh, drafting uh, chapters and um, it has its advantages when you start writing later and it has it has its uh, disadvantages. Uh, but for me, it was, I had done research trips to archives, collected materials and Literally, I had returned from my last research trip uh, from Marburg in Germany in February 2020. (laughs) And then uh, we know all know what happened. Everything was closed. No traveling was possible. So then I really started uh, drafting uh, my chapters. But I think also this phase of if you have this, in a way, possibility or even privilege to explore your research topic, to read a bit here, or there and orient yourself. It's also a very enjoyable phase. So it, you should really try to enjoy it as much as possible. But I also think that starting to write down your thoughts as soon as possible also mm-hmm. is good. And you can later on always return to them. And But you already have something.
0: How do, how do you feel about, uh, you know, differentiating between like taking notes and doing writing? Because in my head, I have a bunch of notes on my computer. Uh, God help me if it crashes, you know? And then I have my text. That's a different thing. So I do like note taking and writing. For me, those are two different things. How is that for you? Because I kind of get the feeling that maybe you, Sophie, you you have it more integrated in some way.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Basically, I do have two documents. So one is for notes, and then I put the notes in a clean version in a second document. Mm. That's how I keep them separate.
0: Are you using any like fancy uh, uh, like applications for that?
1: No, I don't. Just Word documents.
0: And that works great for you?
1: That does work, yeah.
0: Mm. How about you?
2: I have tens and tens of documents. Uh, I have notes uh, for um, archives, uh, for each archive uh, where I worked. One file, then I have uh, uh, one file for each author that I read and uh, then initially i also had each chapter of my dissertation in a separate file mm. because so you're a h- historian uh, yes, right yes.
0: and i guess uh, that sort of uh, follows with some sort mm-hmm. of uh, uh, what my <laughs> friends call professional deformity of cataloging everything and making a uh, structured sense and uh, uh, but anyways how did you find it when you did start writing when you actually got into it because it's it's daunting in the beginning. You're afraid of or you're sort of worried about how, how am I going to attack this? How am I going to get the angle into this? How am I going to start from having nothing to having something finished? But once you got going, how is, how is that like?
1: It's quite a liberating feeling once it, I'm really in the mood for writing and I feel like I can't really do anything else. But it takes me a really long time to get there. So I'm a big fan of doing, making skeletons mm. sort of things, stuff that I just need to fill in, and uh, bullet point lists and these kind of things. So once I'm in, it works, It's ju- I'm just in my flow.
0: Yeah, it's like a, a runner's high kind of uh, yeah. thing. Yeah, sometimes I get it too, but it's like very unpredictable for me. Oh my I mean. God, yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I can never plan on it or. It's like yeah, sitting down, uh,
0: I'm gonna this this week. I'm gonna write. I have my skeleton or my notes or whatever. I'm just gonna start writing. I'm gonna get there because I had this experience before one time or two times or whatever. And then just like doesn't come, and you're just sitting there, you know, watching this cursor blinking, taunting you from the screen. How oh, are you, Timo? How, do you have? How did you get into it?
2: Yeah, at the initial phase when you don't really know where this piece of information would fit or whether you need it at all, then it is a bit of uh, struggle, but But yeah, structure. um, This kind, some kind of structure, really helps me. If I have, um, if I'm writing a a chapter, then I initially draft some kind of rough structure, which, uh, for sure, will change uh, as I write. But it helps me to orient myself, and even structures within structures. I know that I have a chapter. I have introduction. I have perhaps main subsections and then divide subsections into some kind of so that's very this like properly
0: <laughs> scientific, analytical. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I never follow
2: it uh, strictly, but it somehow helps me to have some kind of at least rough yeah.
0: idea where things uh, would fit. Nice. It's nice. It's easier to go somewhere when you know where you're going in yeah. a way. Right. But I also want to talk about like how, how it how it works out when you sort of lose your way in a way, you know what I mean? It's like you're, you're sitting there and you're writing and you think when you start, this is gonna go smoothly. I have all my you know, data, I have all my material and you sort of know what you're writing and then you start writing and somehow at some point it just stops up and things fall a, bit, a little bit apart. Like, where do you go? What do you do when you hit a snag? Because I feel like that's, That's the thing I was never taught in any like writing class or anything. You know,
1: at this point, I would get up and talk to people, ask them if they have time uh, for me to like brainstorm with them and tell them what I've been reading and what I want to write. And sometimes or most of the times just talking to people makes it way more clear for myself what the actual argument is that I want to make. So getting up, getting out of my own head and talking with people.
0: Right. But also, you know, like it. it, That's. It sounds. I'm very happy for you because it sounds like you have a very sort of supportive uh, colleague set of colleagues around Mm you. Uh, Do you Do you have it the same way?
2: Uh, Yeah, I can also, of course, rely on the support of my colleagues. Sometimes for me, uh, it can be a linguistic issue as well because I'm not uh, writing in my first language, and when I have this vague idea somewhere, but I'm unable to formulate it in English then sometimes I switched to Estonian and I first wrote down these thoughts uh, in Estonian and then moved on to English. And sometimes it just is a sign that m- I might need a break. Uh, then I mm, change the location. I go from the office to the library or I just go for a walk. I go for a coffee. Yeah, depending on <laughs> the problem or uh, where I'm standing, different uh, methods uh, work.
0: Do you ever use people around you that are non-academics in a way? Because I feel like oftentimes if I'm stuck on a thing and I ask an academic, they're going to be like, no, this is perfect. This looks great. And it's just like the most abstract piece of shit that you ever written. And they're like, no, 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 this, this reads fine. Uh, sometimes, you know, I, I like to uh, ask my my siblings or, or, you know, like my mom or my dad or or whatever. And they, they might be like, yeah, this is good, but I don't understand this part because they have this sort of humility uh, in a way that it's like, you, you got to remember that, yeah, you're an academic, but you're also writing for, ideally for other people as well. And I think a lot of academics also lie when they say they understand things. That's my suspicion at least.
1: Well, for me, it's a bit difficult because I can't really, um, well, I can tell my parents about what I'm doing, but they're non academics so it's really difficult for them to grasp w- what I'm doing. Um, of course, I want to write as easily as possible, but some concept, you just need to have some background information for that to un- for, for it to understand it. Um, so with my parents I hardly ever um, talk about my research but I do talk uh, with my boyfriend for example about my research and ask him if it makes sense
0: so uh, today's guests, uh, as every single previous guest, also brought some objects with them today to uh, to show to you or talk uh, about with you, our dear guest. And uh, first up, Timo, why don't you uh, show us? You don't, you didn't really bring your object uh, because it would be um, noisy. That's one thing, but it's also uh, quite sort of hefty to carry around. But you brought a picture. Can you describe what that picture is?
2: Yeah, I have a picture of a cupboard uh, in my office, full of empty uh, mineral water water uh, bottles. And um, why I brought this is that you know when you r- uh, write, when you work, uh, everybody has something that they snack, something they need uh, to be motivated. And for me, w- in particular, in the um, uh, intensive uh, writing period uh, last summer, then this mineral water was something that was uh, very good to do you have, uh, <laughs> rely on to, s- to support me in this, which is also a physical thing to do, yeah. to write and to sit down.
0: How many bottles is that? Like 30, 40, 50? Around
2: 30, but I think a couple of times I already returned uh, some <laughs> of the bottles. So uh, The overall amount um, amount was uh, much bigger, actually.
0: I don't know about you, but for me, it's uh, if I drink uh, water during uh, a writing session, I have this uh, dual sort of uh, uh, dilemma in my head. One is if I don't drink any water, I'm going to get dehydrated. My brain is going to shrink and I'm going to get a headache and I can't write. On the other hand, if I drink too much water, I'm going to have to go like have a bathroom break every 10 minutes or something. How does that... Re- <laughs> do, do you think about these things when you...
2: Yeah, and this actually shows what kind of writer type I am. I'm actually quite mobile. I like stand up every... 30 minutes or so to grab another glass of water, to grab a cup of tea, to go uh, to the restroom, to grab a snack and s- somehow this like standing up and moving around a bit. Uh, Getting a bit uh, of circulation yeah, yeah. basically. Helps, helps me helps me <laughs> and to get my things, uh, thoughts uh, going, yeah.
0: Yeah, how's that for you, Sophie?
1: Same really. Like I always have three drinks minimum on my table. So coffee, tea or water, and then a smoothie. So I also need to get up every, I don't know, half an hour for sure, but it's good. I don't know, keeps me keeps me dynamic and fresh. So yeah. I really like it to have this choice as well.
0: All right, Sophie, what did you bring with you today?
1: I brought actually a quite lame object in my opinion, but it keeps me sane. It's my headphones, um, noise-canceling headphones. I'm in an office with four other people, so I really need to have my own space and i create my own space if i have my headphones on mm. and then i listen to some a website that's called my noise
0: ooh that's where a my guy noise? my noise mynoise.com yeah
1: um that's, yeah i'm not sponsored but it's awesome you should really check it out um they have certain soundscapes for example i listen to morning forest it's called ooh. where Birds are chirping and, I don't know, like owls are hooting. Mm.
0: You told me that you're from uh, lower Austria. Is it like a a thing that sort of brings you back?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think it is connected Mm. and actually just really calms me down and puts me in sort of a meditative
0: state. That's great. I wonder what that sound would be for me, but I guess I can find that on my noise. Uh, yeah, you can. <laughs> I mean, com.
1: even if you're into, I don't know, medieval villages, they
2: have everything there. <laughs> it's really fun.
0: Interesting. Uh, how many do you share an office with, Timo?
2: Actually, nine. And it's oh, wow. also an office space where you have to go through this room to get to another room. And uh, it's right next to the uh, shared uh, kitchen. Uh, or a um, meeting room, so it can be also when everybody's there, it so can there's be a lot quite of traffic, busy. yeah, a yeah. lot of
0: people going through. you get up every ten seconds to get a glass of water. And yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. I mean, it's like you're sitting there and writing and sometimes you just do it uh, in between your other tasks. You know, you do like some administrative stuff, you do some uh, archival uh, study and you just do some notes, you do some writing, you squeeze it in here and there. And sometimes you just like need to find more time dedicated to just the single act of authoring. Uh, And in that sort of context, uh, writing retreats, I don't know if they're increasingly popular, but that's my sort of... uh, uh, impression on it. Uh, maybe it's because I'm coming like later in my PhD and I'm more about people saying like, Oh shit, I got to finish. Let's do a writing retreat. Uh, I know you Timo, you organized uh, a writing retreat. Uh, how did you come to that sort of uh, idea?
2: I think when I, I, uh, before starting my PhD, I already had an idea. I knew that some universities organize it and I always thought that it would be a very nice thing to do. And uh, when I had started my uh, doctoral studies here at the university, then at this point there was no doctoral school yet, but uh, doing my uh, doctoral studies, they established uh, oh <laughs> uh, the doctoral school. And uh, then they had special funding scheme. And uh, with another uh, PhD student, uh, Anna Doriani, we had this idea that it would be nice to do, to try. We uh, um, applied for uh, funds to organize it. And yeah, it it also helped a lot because we initiated it after the first waves of COVID. And this also severely actually affected me as a PhD student because I had very little... Uh, opportunity uh, to, to see uh, people's yeah. faces and yeah, talk exactly. to people, yeah. especially after yeah.
0: one or two years of mm-hmm. isolation. Have mm-hmm. y- you have any like, uh, experiences with uh, writing retreats?
1: No, unfortunately not. I would have really liked to do one, um, still would like to do one, mm-hmm. but I don't know if there is anything offered now in the summer University of Vienna.
0: What are your recommendations if someone wants to do a writing retreat, Timo?
2: I think depending on, yeah, the structures, but uh, th- I think the University of Vienna historical studies doctoral school still has this funding scheme for events. So this is worth giving it a try. And I don't know whether uh, this, um, which uh, what we launched with Anna is now turned into some more official, semi-official permanent thing. But yeah. But it's also always possible to organize it uh, on your own, to go somewhere for a week, uh, for a long weekend to be away from from uh, daily activities or with a small group of, of uh, your colleagues. Where, where did yeah. you go, actually? We
0: organized the retreat in a monastery, actually for two reasons. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many monasteries in Austria, and every single writing retreat is in a monastery. I think that's the sort of single source Perfect of setting. income for monasteries these days is PhD students <laughs> that are desperate to finish their yeah. PhDs. <laughs> But yeah, monastery in Austria, how, did, how, how, how is that?
2: Two reasons, because first uh, is just they are uh, much cheaper. Uh, hotels in the countryside are much more expensive. And for scholars of humanities, it's much nicer environment. You have some history. You can explore the monastery. Uh, you can explore the church. Sometimes also the monks there uh, gave us a short tour. They showed the, the, us their uh, beautiful library collections. So it is also an inspiring uh, environment.
0: Mm, nice. It's nice, both cheaper and better. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
2: Sounds like a great setting.
0: But yeah, w- what did you get out of the writing retreat? Like
2: For me, yeah, I benefited a lot. First, I get to know so many other interesting uh, PhD students and their projects. Uh, and otherwise I wouldn't have had, a, let's say, forum where to get to know them. I really also enjoyed the workshops uh, with Dean, Dean Wuletic, who was just uh, amazing and inspiring uh, all the students, but also giving really useful practical advice. And I really made uh, progress in uh, drafting so the chapters. Not, not like
0: only about sitting down and writing, but also about uh, making a network in one way, and then yes. also learning some some techniques?
2: Some techniques, uh, yeah, some, uh, yeah, matters how to get your uh, ideas on paper, but also, yeah, the network the, and this network and, and people around you can be also very inspiring. If you're sitting on your own with your paper and your thoughts and are unable to formulate them, then over the lunch, lunch you can learn how others were so productive and it can be also uh, very inspiring.
0: Right. What would you say is like the one major thing you learned at the writing retreat? Like, because you mentioned some techniques, for instance, or uh, some new approaches, maybe.
2: I think you know, what I took with me is that procrastination is not necessarily some anything bad because when you procrastinate, actually, you might be processing your uh, thoughts and you you can't just read and then. Immediately start writing. Sometimes you just need this mm.
0: yeah, your head's short not a break. A your computer. head is
2: just processing or structuring your thoughts and your the information you uh, went through. So
1: this is the most um, how do you say most intense time for me because I feel like I haven't managed anything. But because reading takes so much headspace, I feel like I've accomplished nothing. Mm. But actually, behind the scenes, a lot is yeah. happening. But yeah. I need to constantly remind myself that this is the case. That's true.
0: Yeah, so uh, it's, it's easy to think of our brains like just working when we're consciously thinking about something. But you know, it's like this uh, myth about Archimedes who discovered buoyancy when he was like, just taking a bath and then, you know, having his eureka moment, not necessarily thinking uh, consciously about things. Uh, so, but I feel like it also needs to be some sort of procrastination that is maybe not just like watching Netflix. Do you have any like favorite procrastination activities?
1: Taking a walk, yeah. Just yeah. just being outside, mm. going, yeah, or making myself some coffee.
0: Right. What about you, Timo?
2: Sometimes going out for a walk or sometimes taking something, doing some tasks which do not require like full conceptualization. Let's say you go through your bibliography to be sure that all the commas and things like that are there and then it also sometimes helps.
0: Mm. Now I want you to imagine... scenario. All right. You can't close your eyes. You don't have to, but let's say you have a text. It needs to be finished. It's supposed to be like 15 pages. You're on page seven and the deadline is in one week. You desperately need to get down those words, but you can't just write anything. You're still struggling to sort of figure it out. How do you approach this rapidly occurring deadline when you have a relatively large amount of work still to do?
1: Okay. First freak out. Um, but it's important then, stuff. Calm down, yeah, yeah, exactly. So first I need to allow myself that this is really stressful right now and I'm allowed to feel it.
0: Is that like mindfulness thing to be like aware of your feelings? I guess way? so. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, I guess. Yeah. So first that, once that's done, I would do a to-do list or yeah, a step-by-step approach, how I wanna tackle the next eight pages for yeah. my 15 page, uh, I don't know, manuscript. Um, do a skeleton. Tell myself what I want to convey. Maybe tell it someone else, to someone else. Ask Mm. them, does it make sense? Do you get what I want to say? And then put my noise-canceling headphones on, put some my noise on, and get to
2: it.
0: Right. What about you? How how do you do it?
2: Yeah, for me, I would also do some kind of plan what I want to say, how I would uh, say it. But I would also, depending on the nature of this very paper, because it would be... Uh, uh rather likely about my main topic so i could probably use reuse some of the bits that i have, have been already written Maybe mm. let's say basic introduction or where, things like that and then we always gotta
0: write so you always have something you can just use in, in a crisis are, are you the type of people that just like stay up until like late in the night or do you are you like you got to get that sleep i tend to be actually my most
2: productive writing time tends to be let's say between seven and midnight and sometimes i do write during this period but in, in particular when it's like intensive writing period and i really feel that i'm inspired i want to uh, write but th- at the same time uh, i also want to kind of separate um uh, being uh, at work uh, yeah. working on my dissertation and having free time
0: it's productivity versus work-life balance yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm a big nine to five person. I hardly ever work in the evenings, uh, but never on the weekends. Um, Yeah, that's really sacred to me. Um, But mostly if I work at night, like, say, six, seven, it's only data analysis. So I wouldn't really write comprehensive texts at this time of the day.
0: Would you rather miss a deadline or work on a weekend?
1: Depends what kind of deadline it is, really. I would have to admit work on the weekends rather than miss it.
2: I think it's very important also to have your own free time, uh, relax, uh, spend time with family and friends. Yeah,
0: and getting back to the sort of procrastination thing, right? It's like if you never get time off uh, writing your whatever you're writing, you're not gonna get this like free associations happening in the back of your head and then maybe getting like a, a eureka moment, hopefully. I mean, uh, those who are lucky enough to uh, ever encounter those um, I want to ask you like what is your sort of biggest challenge when it comes to writing because for me is keeping on track in a way uh, in, in several ways because uh, one is I start with these skeletons I start with these notes I have a sort of an imagined way forward and then I start writing and you know you, you get this feeling as well like sometimes your text just lives its own life and it takes turns where you didn't sort of uh, see them coming and then suddenly you catch yourself writing a completely different text and you've been doing it for like a week and then you got to like either delete that text or, uh, you know, just change it and that's now that's what it's about or, or whatever. And I think, you know, digressing in my own text, I think that's a big challenge for me.
1: Sometimes deleting big chunks of text is pain. I mean, it's always painful, but yeah. it's sometimes so necessary. Yeah. Or what I do, copy and paste it into a different document so it's not lost
2: but it's not going to be used here <laughs> yeah for me yeah, also starting the very process and to be sure what I want to say now mm. and then at the early phase it's you know you're not fully sure in which direction you should go this is one thing and the other thing is I think as a writer I also tend to be uh, rather empirical and and this I mean that some facts really you know I get carried away, I want to know, uh, I learn about one thing, then I know to want to learn about the additional thing, and then I tend to be carried away and amass the text with so many uh, uh, details which are not necessarily so important for the broader argument. It should be, Yeah. Uh, I should learn how to uh, better handle this situation when to say myself, no, okay, now you have enough, you should work what you have already.
0: And I think that's one of the big paradoxes sort of, of being in academics, like you have to have this sort of Interest and curiosity towards your whatever you're studying, and that leads tends to lead you to get carried away and just like, well, I should maybe read a little bit more about this. And everyone has had this situation where you're like, Okay, I need to read this one paper about this one concept that I'm using, and you read it, and you're like, Oh, that's citing a lot of interesting papers, and then you open three exactly. more papers, and those yeah. papers lead to three more papers, and suddenly you have you know 15 papers you got to read instead of just that one. So, just limiting yourself. But you need to have this drive as well, right?
1: Biggest challenge in my PhD journey really is. Um, so I'm really appreciative of my supervisors who are like, Sophie, just got to stop. You're not allowed to read any more literature at this point. You know it, it's fine. You can just write it. Sometimes it just needs to have this uh, reassurement that mm. I'm, that it's fine.
0: This is good enough. You don't need 15 exactly. more papers. Yeah. yeah, I think I would definitely benefit from having someone telling me to stop more often. Um, because I'm often just sitting there by myself and not, I'm not as good as reaching out maybe as you guys are. I think that's maybe as my biggest writing challenge is actually that I, I, I don't, uh, I tend to want to keep my text for myself until it's like perfect or whatever, mm-hmm. but it never happens, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, we're we're going to start to round off a little bit, but, but before we do that completely, I want to just ask you guys, how, how much writing do you have left?
1: So for me, it's uh, one more paper that I have left. Um, right now I'm at the analysis stage, but because it's an experiment that is pre-registered on OSF, I already have a lot of the the stones or the the how do you say this? the, the, pieces? the building yeah. pieces for it. So I think it's not too much more work now, but already. Oh but yeah, one more paper.
0: One more paper. And how mu- how, like, when is your uh, funding over?
1: My funding is over in November. So, beginning December, I'm, Im- unemployed. So, if anyone has a uh, postdoc, <laughs> <laughs>
0: reaching out. Anyone <laughs> needs uh, quantitative social scientists, uh, you know where to go. Uh, Timo, what about you? How much do you have left?
2: I have uh, the dissertation draft more or less ready. And now I'm basically doing revisions, uh, doing a bit here or there, and there. The biggest. Part of the dissertation that uh, probably needs a bit more work is
0: the conclusion. Mm. But are you more into the phase of like editing work now?
2: It's editing and it's also getting uh, feedback from the supervisors to what to include, change uh, before uh, submitting, more or less. So I'm rather close to uh, submitting my my dissertation and also, yeah, thinking about future, uh, thinking about future projects, slowly applying for for uh, new jobs
0: right so from this day onwards uh you're still gonna do a lot of writing i mean uh, life especially for academics is basically just writing all the time if it's notes if it's you know articles or uh chapters or or whatever uh what is the one thing that you keep in mind when you're sort of writing in the future what is the the thing that you comparing to the past of writing? What are the mistakes you're not going to make? And what are the sort of the the success formulas that you're going to use?
1: Make deadlines for myself. Yeah. Don't make too big of claims. Like, don't make big claims. Mm. Um, Stay true to my research line, I would say.
0: Yeah, that's good.
2: Yeah, I would also say that uh, as I have gone through the Uh, doctoral studies, I know myself as a writer, as a researcher, much better now. And yeah, I think I would push myself for, let's say, stronger uh, structuring arguments uh, in my writings uh, and then to back it with relevant empirical source-based data.
0: So sort of uh, what I hear you saying is like, uh, be concrete, but also be confident in a way. Kind of.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you could summarize it like that. <laughs> All
0: right. So thank you to our guests, uh, Timo Ava and Sophie Miniholt. Thank you.
1: Well, thanks for the invite.
0: This was episode 12 of Doctorate. This episode was written and produced by Angelika Hudler, Max Brockhaus, Martin Bocorni, Rasmus Waldmann, and Georgia Sogu. Editing and everything technical by Martin Bocorni and I, I'm Rasmus Waldmann, your host. Special thanks go out to our guests, Timo Ava and Sophie Miniholt. And one last thing. If you like the podcast, please make sure to share it with your friends, colleagues, family, or anybody else you think could be interested in it. You can also rate this podcast wherever you listen to it. Leave a review or reach out to us. We'd appreciate it. All right, that's it. Thanks for listening.